Let's go ahead and open up in prayer again before we launch into the sermon. Lord, thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you that you you love us with an unmatched love. We thank you that, uh, Lord, for this Christmas, it's not going to be the same as any others that we've ever had, that we've ever experienced. We thank you, Jesus. This is a new day, and you're going to be doing a new thing within our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, like I said, welcome. Uh, we're, we're starting off here in our new Christmas series. Uh, we're excited for that. Uh, today's um, sermon title is called Preparing for Christmas. How many of you like doing all the decorations? Can I see a raise of hand? Oh, you like that? Okay. That's, I, I can't stand that. It's so difficult for me. I don't know, but my wife has that spiritual gift, so she's really amazing. They love it, and the kids, they get into it, and I kind of grudgingly do it. I kind of move around a little Santa here or a bear here or something, some lights and stuff. But oh, just dealing with all the lights and everything, uh, it's just oh, its not my thing. Um, but I do like the, the feeling where we are able to... I miss caroling. Is anybody doing caroling this year? No? See, that's a thing of the past, right? Uh, raise your hands if you used to go caroling as a kid. out in the, Okay, yes, I know. Oh, most of us never did. Can, can you raise your hand if you've ever caroled before? Okay, there we go. More people. It's, it's actually one of my favorite things. And we used to walk around to our neighbors' homes and sing Christmas carols. And it's just a fun, fun time. It's that spirit of Christmas. Um, you know, today we're, we were singing Hark the Herald, angels sing. And, you know, as we move on the weeks, we're going to sing more and more Christmas songs. And then finally at Christmas Eve service, and I think we have service uh, a day before Christmas Eve as well. It's a Sunday, and Christmas Eve is on a Monday. We're going to be singing tons of Christmas songs, so get ready. Uh, can't do caroling out in our neighborhoods. We'll do it here at church. It's going to be fun. And so uh, whether you do caroling or not, uh, we all have to do the busyness of Christmas. And so what does that look like? We have to do Christmas parties, right? We have to do Christmas cards. Everyone say, ah, okay. Christmas cards are the worst for me. You know, we still haven't taken our pictures, and my wife is in the same boat as I am. <laughs> like, oh, we got to do the card, and it's like, you got that look in our eyes. We're already starting getting cards for all of you, like, eager beavers. We're, like, already sending out cards. Uh, we still haven't taken the picture, okay? So uh, we got to do, um, you know, of course... The Christmas tree, we have uh, to do all the Christmas food. You have to find just the right gifts for everybody. That can be sort of stressful, a high degree of anxiety. What do I get for this person? They seem like they have everything they need. They probably do. That's the funny thing, right? So we're just buying gifts upon gifts upon gifts for people, things that they, we don't really, uh, we know they, they don't need, but we think, okay, this, this might be uh, fun for them to have. Uh, but, you know, all of these things uh, kind of pile up with our anxiety and stress. And we wonder, is there a better way to do Christmas? Is there really a better way to do it? And I would definitely say yes. What does it look like? God wants us to slow down. God wants us to get back to, you know, remember when you were a kid and the Christmas was coming and you get that feeling of wonder and you get that feeling of, wow, there's such a awesome feeling, right? You just stare at the Christmas tree. 
You hear angels singing. No, I'm just kidding. But you hear, you know, it's just, wow, it's just that maybe Barbara Streisand Christmas or something. My mom used to play that. <laughs> and so, and we just, you know, look at the, the ornaments and think about, you know, what is Christmas really all about? What is Christmas really all about? And we want to start getting to the real reason for the season, and that's Jesus. We have to get back to the heart of Christmas. And so um, there's four songs in the New Testament. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about different songs. Today, I'm going to be talking about a song of Zechariah. So that's found in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be going through this song. Now, before we go through the song, I'm just going to give a little context who Zechariah is. And I'm going to read starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Verses 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. She was uh, probably a daughter of a priest. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. So you could imagine the heartache, the disappointment, working through it. And now they were older. They were probably coming uh, to grips with it. And they were steadfast in serving the Lord faithfully, but with no children. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time... For the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. John the name means gift. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Like, that's impossible. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. <laughs> Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. 
When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What an amazing story, isn't it? What a beautiful story. What can we learn and take away from Zechariah's experience for us this Christmas? You can write it in your notes, number one. God wants to prepare your heart to be turned towards the Savior. God wants to prepare your heart to be turned where and to who? Towards the Savior. Zechariah, he learned that he would become a dad in this story. And this special son of his uh, would help people turn their lives and their attention and their hearts back to the Savior. This was the calling of their son. His name was John. And he was eventually known as John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And his whole role and mission and calling was to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare the world for the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repent, repent. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. He was a big deal. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He was quite the outdoorsman. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Go back to verse 3. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. That was John's mission. And I believe as he was preparing people's hearts to turn back to the Lord, God wants to prepare our hearts today to get ready for the Savior. He's preparing us for Christmas. Going back to our passage in Luke, verse 16, remember, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. This is talking about John the Baptist. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children, turn the hearts, turning our hearts to the parents of to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, to prepare us for the Lord, preparing us for the Lord. Are you prepared for Christmas? Are you really prepared for Christmas? Are we running around doing all kinds of other stuff to get ready for Christmas? How much time, how much attention do we really give God during the Christmas season? And if we're honest with ourselves, it's just not very much. But that doesn't make any sense to be running around so busy with so much other stuff and forget about 
God. Instead, this Christmas, God is saying, slow down, go a little bit slower, spend more time with me, enjoy my presence, get back to the wonder of Christmas, get into the word of God, enjoy reading God's word, get to that time where you can spend just you and him, speaking with him, hearing from him, soaking in his presence. Get back to that. Get back to doing the things, serving the Lord, helping other people come to know Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And that's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not done by our own strength and like, okay, we really want to do it. The Holy Spirit's going to be the one who's going to do that. He's going to prepare your hearts. And this sermon's going to be part of that, just, just uh, encouraging you, igniting that, what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. So the good news is that God loves us so much that he has an amazing plan, just like he did for John the Baptist, even before he was born. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And he's going to break through any hardness of heart that we might have, or maybe we're on automatic pilot doing things a certain way. And he's going to break through that, and he's going to get our attention. You know, sometimes God has to get our attention in crazy ways. Look at the story of Zechariah. He was silenced for how many months? Nine months. The whole time she was pregnant, his wife Elizabeth. He silenced that priest. He couldn't speak. He had to get the board, right? And he had to write on the board, this is, I want to tell you something. I want pancakes. His mouth was stopped. And, you know, for me, sometimes God had to get my attention in a number of ways because my heart just wasn't focused on him. It was so hard and or I was on automatic pilot going in one direction, completely separate from God. But God loves me so much that he had to get my attention in a crazy way. Let me share one time. This is really embarrassing. It usually is when God does this. So I was part of a group, and it was uh, with New Hope. This is maybe, oh, a long while back, close to 10 or 12 years ago. It's a little while back. And it was a group with the New Hope Church, and I didn't go to their church, but they let me come to their group called uh, School of Church Planters, where they study the Bible really early in the morning, and Pastor Wayne is there, and he's giving all these young guys, uh, you know, directions, and we, we do our devotions together, and we do soap, you know, where we journal um, everything the Lord is saying. And so we get there, and it's like 4.30 in the morning, and so it's really early, and I'm not a morning person. And so I get in there sort of late. I kind of scurry in there and try and sit in the back, and in order to wake myself up, I have a coffee. And so, you know, Starbucks coffee is kind of strong, right? And I didn't have anything in my stomach. And I, you know, trying to drink as much coffee as I can to wake up. And I'm trying to hurry and do my devotions. And I was just feeling really nervous. Like, wow, you know, I'm in here with all these guys. And the problem was, I wasn't doing my devotions. I wasn't having a regular time with God at all. And so I'm doing my devotions. And I'm feeling that conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm like, I you know, I hope they don't find out that nobody knows that I'm not doing my devotions, you know, with all these guys and I'm drinking coffee. And then guess who gets called to, to say their 
devotion that day. You usually have somebody stand up and they read their devotion. So Pastor Wayne says, would uh, somebody like to do their devotion? <laughs> and he says, how about you in the back there? Uh, Max? Let's, all right, stand up and share your devotion with everyone. And so I stand up and I have my uh, little journal there and I'm starting to read. And as I'm reading... Something happened. I, I really believe it was the Lord, and he was just stopping my tongue from reading. And I could not read my own journal. I could not read my own entry. And it was like my tongue was all twisted up, and I started, and I had these tears building up in my eyes. And they were like, I said, if they're falling, if they fall, I will walk out and leave. Because they were just building, and I was like, oh, no. And I, I just read it, and I got through it. It was the worst, worst. It made no sense. And then I sat down, and I had that glow of red heat over me, and I was sweating, and I was thinking, kind of like hyperventilating. And then as I left, I started thinking throughout the day, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe it was just, you know, me, but nobody else could see it. And I went back the next week. I just... Like must have been the Lord just bringing me back there next week. And I sat in, and the first guy who comes up to me, a friend of mine named Noah, he comes up and he says, Hey, are you all right? I said, Yeah, why? What's, what's up? He said, Last week. Said, oh, no. He said, Something was wrong. He's like, I was like, Was it really that bad? He said, Yeah, it was like you didn't know how to read. Oh, it was embarrassing, and I'm still embarrassed to this day. But I believe that was the Lord who stopped my mouth, who caused me not to be able to read, and just flat out embarrassed me. And I think the Lord does that sometimes. Because why? He knows he needs to bring my heart back to where it needs to be. He knows that I really do need to be in the Word of God. And I need to be enjoying that and doing that regularly and not putting on a front or being a fake and, and going there and doing the devotions and then acting like, you know, yeah, this is totally what I do every day, Pastor Wayne. You know, so the Lord called me out on that. And I'm thankful because I always remember that. You know, and I love being in the Word and I just want to be in the Word every day. And I just encourage you guys. And sometimes when, when we're not getting there, the Lord says, you know what? I have to bring them back because they, I love them so much. I'll go to any length to bring them back. Check this out. Hebrews 12, verse 6. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because we can go the other way. Maybe just leave and never come back. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He disciplines you because he loves you. And he wants to bring you back. He's not trying to make you feel terrible. He doesn't condemn us, the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit convicts us and he works within us. And he says, I'll give you the power. Come back, repent, come back. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with me. We're going to get this thing right, he says. So Zechariah, he couldn't speak. And during that time when he couldn't speak, I'm picturing him going into the Word of God. I'm picturing him being alone with, with the Lord. Like, what is going on here? You know, this is so frustrating. 
I need to understand, what is your reason for doing this? And he's spending hour after hour after hour trying to understand that message Gabriel, that angel, spoke to him. You know, what is this miracles happening? My wife, she's pregnant. What is the role of this special baby going to be? The more and more he was thinking about it, I'm thinking he was remembering the words of the angel Gabriel, and he said, he, John the Baptist, your, your son, he will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's going to prepare people for the Lord, for the Messiah. And he's thinking, and the Messiah hadn't come yet. So he's really going back into the Old Testament, all the prophecies, starting from the book of Genesis. And he's thinking, could it be? He's talking about preparing the way for the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lord, the Christ is coming. My son gets to be the forerunner for the Messiah. Could it be? And at some point, it clicks. And Zechariah, he gets it. He sees the bigger picture. That's number one. Number one, God wants to prepare your heart and turn it towards the Savior. Number two, this Christmas, God wants to prepare you to be set free. God wants to do you to be prepared to be set free so that you can praise Him, so that you can really praise Him as we're doing in our uh, time here. We're worshiping the Lord as we do in our Christmas carols, but throughout the day, just praising Him in your heart that you're set free from your sin and you're like willing to say, you know what, I, this is, it's like Christmas all the time. It's like Easter every day. We're just praising the Savior. Picking up the story in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Wow. John, John's here. The gift is here. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. It's a big deal. Woo! On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, as was the custom, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Okay, that's going to be his name. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, Wait a minute. There's no one in your relatives, among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he'd like to name the child. They're trying to communicate with Zechariah. Sign language. He asked for a writing tablet. Give me the tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened. Zechariah, his mouth first opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. Wow, what's going on? He can speak. He's praising the Lord. Yes. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonderful thing, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? Like, this must be a special, special baby, for the Lord's hand was with him. So after nine months, Zechariah's mouth his tongue were finally set free. He couldn't contain himself, and his heart overflowed with praise to God. I think we would all do the same thing. But it was in the season of silence 
As hard as that season was, Zechariah's heart was pointed back to the Lord, was pointed towards the coming Savior. And that's where we want to get. We want our hearts to be pointed back. And some of you are going through these seasons of silence. Some of you are going through a really difficult season. Or like me, maybe the Lord is kind of disciplining and turning your attention and your heart back to him in some really weird and creative ways. It's because the Lord loves us. And then finally, when that season is over, our hearts are be able to be pointed towards him, set on him, and set free as we're in right relationship with him and we're able to praise him. Let's check out Zechariah's song of praise. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So now he's going into prophecy, and this is the song of Zechariah. He said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Praise be to the Lord. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has set through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you can just picture him. These words are just flowing out of his mouth. He's just praising the Lord. What is he saying? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why? Because the Lord God of Israel has come to his people. And isn't that the message of Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us. Praise the Lord. He's come to his people. For what? To redeem us. He's come to pay for our lives with his life on the cross. To pay for all of our sins through the sinless, blameless Lamb of God. Through dying like we did today, remembering how he died on the cross for our sins. Praise the Lord. And it hasn't happened yet, but Zechariah is prophesying. He's praising the Lord. God is powerful, he said. The horn, he talks about the horn of salvation. The horn is a symbol of power. There's power in the cross. There's power in what Jesus has done. God is so powerful to save us, he's saying. He's saying God is faithful God is so faithful. He fulfilled all his promises. You know, Zechariah is thinking back. He was a priest of the Lord as he was in the Old Testament scriptures day after day looking for the Messiah in the scriptures, wondering, is the Christ ever going to come? And now he's saying, yes, God has revealed it to me. He's coming. He's powerful. He's faithful to keep all of his promises in the Old Testament. He's faithful to bring salvation for me and my family, but for all of Israel, for all of mankind. He's going to save us from our enemies. And he's not just talking about practically. I'm sure he was probably thinking that at the time, Zechariah. But he's also thinking of the enemies of sin, the enemies of death, the enemies of hell. God is powerful. He's faithful to save us from all of that. Verse 76, he went on to sing out, and you, my child, he's... I'm picture him speaking to his 
to little John. And he's saying, you, my child. Could you picture the scene? He probably has tears in his eyes. You will be called a prophet of the Most High. In fact, he was known as the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, before Jesus. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, the forerunner of Christ, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the gospel right here. Zechariah is preaching it. He's preaching the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of Christmas. John the Baptist is preparing us to experience Jesus. And what does that mean? To experience salvation, to experience forgiveness for your sins, to experience what it means to have a relationship, to walk not in darkness but in light, to be in the light and to have life to be able to fulfill the calling God has created you for. Have you experienced that yet this Christmas? God wants to break through anything you're going through. He wants to bring you close to him, just as he did with Zechariah and Elizabeth, and use you in this great story of God. That's the good news of Christmas. We're going to welcome the worship team back up to the stage now as we close in prayer. You know, this Christmas, God wants to do some really cool stuff. Number one, God wants to prepare your heart to be turned towards the Savior, Jesus. And number two, he wants you to be set free to praise him. Luke chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Let me go ahead and read that again. I think this is really the crux of the message this morning. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Are you prepared for Christmas? God wants to do it in the power of his Holy Spirit. Your story is being written right now. Would you be able to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to turn my heart over to you completely. Let's go ahead and stand as we close in prayer. I wish we had more time. I would go into the story of John the Baptist, and I, I, love, I love to see his calling and his ministry as he pointed people back to Jesus. May the Holy Spirit point you back to the Savior this morning. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners before the cross. Not one of us is good. Only Jesus. You know, we've taken our attention off of him. We've put way too much attention on all this other stuff for Christmas. And not just Christmas, life in general. But if you can honestly admit that and be honest with yourself and the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm coming back. I need to be pointed directly to you, Holy Spirit. I need to be living in your strength and not mine. I need a Savior again and again and again, minute by minute, every day. Then you're right where God wants you. John 1, 
Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And may the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus the Savior to you and your deep need for the Savior this morning. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the amazing story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, for the amazing ministry of John the Baptist and who you use to point the way to Jesus. And we need to be pointed to the Savior again. God, I know that I do. I come before you as honestly and as humbly, Lord, as I can through your Spirit. And I say, God, I need you this morning. I need you to focus my heart on you, not all the other stuff. It might be good stuff, but Lord, I don't need that. I need you. I need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto me. So Holy Spirit, I give you permission now to come and do that within me. Maybe just you and the Lord, you just speak to him. Just call out to him in your heart. and You tell him, Lord, I want to reconnect with you today. I need my heart to be pointed to you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you can set us free. Set us free from the guilt and condemnation of the devil who's going to try to come and say, you know what, yeah, you messed up. You're not this, you're not that. You haven't been walking with the Lord. You can't do it, and that's right. But by the grace and power of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through his resurrection, we experience the victory of Christ. And we thank you, Jesus, that all the things of the enemy and all the whispers and lies he tells us just falls right off. Because we are saved, we are redeemed by you for a purpose to know you, Jesus, to follow you, to love you, to be in relationship with you, to experience what it means to be in family with you, to rejoice and to be set free and to praise you, Lord, to praise you, Jesus, for what you've done. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation, Lord. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.